Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from us all at TNT Radio. Patrick Henningsen and TNT. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. Hour number two, this live broadcast. Thank you guys for coming along for the ride here on Friday. Again, I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is TNT Today's News Talk, live and direct in audio, also in video as well. If you go to tntradio.live, of course, the audio stream's always up on through the app as well. But if you want to watch on video, you'll see the link to the live stream. Just scroll down the page a little bit there. You'll see the embedded link there. We've got live streams on a number of video sharing platforms, including YouTube, Rumble, and others. So you can watch the program as well as listen to it. You can also listen back afterwards, listen at your leisure. Go to my show page, look and listen back. You'll see the audios there for broken up by segment by hour and also uh, the videos as well, the same just below that watch back. So it's all there, folks, and uh, if you miss any of these live shows. In fact, even when we're not broadcasting uh, next week, Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that you can still watch uh, the the broadcast from previous shows. If you missed any, you can do catch up there over the holiday season. So listen, uh, we got some ground to cover. We're going to be connecting a very special guest who hasn't been on the show before, but I'm very, very interested to hear about what's happened in New York uh, the last couple of days, especially this anti-APAC uh, protest. So Nick Cruz is going to be joining us from Revolutionary Blackout uh, on the other side of this next break. Uh, we'll break slightly early, probably about uh, 12, 13 past the hour, and we'll hopefully connect our guests. We'll also catch up in New York as well, staying in the Big Apple Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press, our legal correspondent in New York, giving us all the inside baseball on everything in the courts. There's a lot log jammed into the courts, especially on the Donald Trump uh, front and the Hunter Biden front. And we'll get some inside scoops from Matthew Lee from inside the courthouse uh, as well on those and other scandalous, salacious cases going on in the inner workings of the Southern District of New York Federal Court there in the Big Apple. Looking forward to that as usual. Now, over to international news again. Uh, Christmas is coming. There's a lot of pressure to get things done before Christmas. I'm sure the president would like to make an announcement uh, going into Christmas, maybe, or at least into the new year, uh, something positive regarding these various unwinnable wars, these losing wars that the United States has uh, found itself ensconced in, uh, namely the proxy war against Russia uh, in Ukraine, uh, NATO's proxy war. When we say NATO, we mean the U.S. and Britain and everybody else who is along for the ride. And also in the Middle East, they're backing in a way, another proxy war, the United States is backing Israel uh, to exterminate the local Palestinian population. Listen, does that sound hyperbolic? I'm sorry, but like this is exactly what's happening. Can we argue at this point? They managed to sort of get a, a, a genocide ruling uh, when ISIS was killing the uh, Yazidis in Iraq. And when they claimed there was at least 5,000 Yazidis killed, uh, Yazidi Christians, uh, they got the international recognition that this was a genocide. Here we are now, well over 20,000 dead civilians, or unarmed civilians in Gaza at the hands of the Israeli Defense Force. Uh, and of those, uh, upwards of 10,000 children, many women as well. And they still are having trouble uh, calling this one, giving it the official designation of a genocide. 
It's a little bit of a problem right now. Like, what do we need? We need 25, 30,000. We get up to 50. And now Israel's announced that they'd like to push the native population out of the area altogether and into the Sinai Desert and make them refugees. How insidious, how criminal is that? But uh, yeah, that's normal uh, right now in Washington. They're saying, yeah, that's fine. This is what Israel wants. Anyway, they gotta they got to do something over Christmas to kind of make this right, or at least make it look right going into the new year, going into the 2024 election. So they need to make some announcements, something positive regarding Ukraine, something positive regarding Gaza. I think the overwhelming public right now are obviously trending away from the White House, away from Tel Aviv. They want a ceasefire, of course. We've been calling for it since day one. But the public in general, the majority of the public, I think, want to see a ceasefire. They don't want to see uh, the, 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 the horrible scenes that they're watching on their phones on social media right now. Not so much on the mainstream media, although the mainstream media is starting to get into the act a little bit with MSNBC, others. And we mentioned Piers Morgan. And so funny how Piers Morgan is like suddenly taking credit, uh, calling himself an anti-war, a voice for the anti-war movement, or whatever. He has been actively promoting these crimes against humanity for like eight weeks straight, eight weeks straight for two months, for two months. He's been actively nine weeks probably. He's been actively promoting crimes against humanity and unapologetically and rubbishing people coming on his shows, giving some kind of an alternative or uh, a sympathetic uh, case for the Palestinians. He was stomping all over them. He was doing this in public view, and all of a sudden, he makes a statement on his show just this week, and everyone's, oh my gosh, Piers Morgan, okay, okay, yeah, better late than never, Piers, better late than never, but all that 20,000 civilians and the 10,000 kids, that's on you, that's on you, and every other high-profile media pundit and personality and alleged journalist that's been acting as a PR cover for one of the worst regimes in modern history. Make no mistake, Israel will go down as one of the worst monsters of history. And, and that's something that we all, that, that's on all of us collectively. That's on all of us, myself, everybody included. Okay, we, we're all responsible for this. We all, we all could be doing a little bit more. We all could be trying a little bit harder. We all could be putting a little more pressure on our elected representatives uh, in the West, in the United States, our congressmen, our senators, our president, the administration, our media. We all, we all could be doing more. So it's on all of us. But it's, it's, it's more so on people who work in the mainstream media because they're in a position of power. They, they act like they just go, they're going with the flow. But they're not just going with the flow. They're in they're in an absolute central position of power. People in mainstream media positions have the ability to influence policy. Politicians are, are it, they they can instill fear to the core of a politician. The media can, because that media person doesn't want to be on the wrong end of that political reporting or that op-ed or that monologue by a leading anchor, because if they do, they know that could be the end, the beginning of the end of their political dynasty or their career, lucrative political career. 
So people in media are in the most powerful position, actually. They are, and they have the power to at least, at least report with an even hand and fairly and objectively, mostly objective. Okay, they have that power. They have the power to stop wars. The mainstream media do. And, and so often, time and time again, especially in, in recent decades, they have basically uh, foregone that power and instead acted as mouthpieces for the Pentagon, for the military establishment, for the Israeli government, for the United States government, for NATO. They become a, a public relations arm of the military war machine time and time again over the last few decades. And that's why you are seeing more war. Because if they were doing it differently, if they had been on the ball on October 8th or October 13th, October 13th when Israel launched their proper uh, offensive against Gaza, and you could see straight away how this was going to unfold because we saw it all before in 2014. We saw it in 2012. We saw it in 2008. And many other times in between, even last year, Gaza was bombed from the air by the Israelis. We knew what was coming. We knew what it was going to look like. And we were warning. We were screaming. We are saying, no, no, no. This, this, this is not what we want. This is going to be massive, massive uh, civilian deaths. Massive innocent lives are going to be buried under masses of rubble. This is going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. And we were just voices in the wilderness, it seemed. So, so you know, like I say always, and I've said on this program before, said on the Sunday Wire, my other programs, politicians will do what politicians do. Yes, they will always be in the pockets of lobbyists, as long as lobbying is, is legal. Politicians will do what politicians do. I, I almost can't blame them because that's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the swamp creature. It behaves in a certain way in order to exist in that CD ecosystem. So, but media, the, but the fourth estate has no excuse. The pr members of the press or journalists have no excuse for their ignorance or for their supine adherence to the machine. They have no excuse. They have the power. They don't, many of them don't realize it. They have the power. But they are so scared themselves. They think if I step out, if I assert myself on this issue, yes, my editor might let me run that, but I'll be sacked after a call from the ADL or whoever, advertisers, brigading. I'll lose my job, my career. Wife will leave me. She'll take the kids and the house. And what am I at that point? I'll have to start a YouTube channel. I'm talking about if I was a mainstream media uh, anchor or a journalist for the New York Times or the Washington Post, you know, blogging, be an obscure blogger, or be a high-profile mainstream media journalist winning awards left, right, and center, getting awards for Russiagate and reporting on the Mueller probe, like literally reporting on things that were fabrications, winning Pulitzers for it. That's a great career. Who'd want to give that up? and a professorship at Columbia after that school of journalism in, into your golden retirement. I mean, Hey, you're, you're, you're going to throw that all away to tell the truth. You're going to throw that all away for some principles and some morals. 
not not a good career move, is it? No. But in today's economy, if they did that and they came out and they said they got fired and that's why they got fired, they will get overwhelming support from the people that that matter and the folks out there that share those values. So we are incur we we hope that maybe after this horrible scene we've had to witness and endure over the last nine weeks that some people in the mainstream media have figured it out by now. You're playing for the wrong team. Listen, let's take a break right now. And uh, we'll connect uh, Nick Cruz on the other side, a citizen journalist, revolutionary blackout. Let's find out about these anti-APAC protests in New York City. I'm interested to know more. All this on the other side. I'm Patrick Henningsen. Stay right there. TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And, and I, if I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying and it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Are you sitting comfortably? Oh yes, yes. Then I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the second hour of this live broadcast. Thank you for rejoining us now. Now, we're going to switch gears back to the United States uh, into the Big Apple. More specifically, I want to welcome onto the program a uh, citizen journalist, Nick Cruz, and the organization is Revolutionary Blackout. Nick, thank you for joining us on TNT. Right beyond. What's popping? What's popping? Well, I, I heard that things were kicking off in New York City uh, yesterday. There's an anti-APAC rally. Uh, I was surprised to see something so focused. I'm impressed, uh, but I want to know more. Uh, tell us about what happened. How did this come about? Yeah, it's, it feels good that people are finally acknowledging who the real enemy is. I, I don't know if you know, but I remember the last uh seven eight years of russian conspiracy theories about how russia wants to undermine our elections the new boogeyman is china they're saying that china won't undermine our elections cuba when it does it now everyone got interest in our elections apparently 
as they were fear-mongering over these other elections, we had the real boogeyman among us this entire time that control our entire uh, democracy, control our politicians on both sides. People think they got this illusion of democracy, and APAC is one of the instruments that completely dismantled the idea that we have any sort of say in our, what our politicians do. APAC brags about it. Like, on their website, I don't know if you saw their website, uh, they bragged about how around like 97% of the candidates that they backed in the election won. They brag about how 13 uh, candidates that wasn't pro-Israel enough for them, they helped defeat. So as liberals were pretending that there was a Russian boogeyman, it was actually Israel the entire time. Speaking of uh, New York, there's uh, a special election for George Santos, for George Santos' seat. Do you want to know what the options that people in New York have for that seat? There's a there's a candidate who was a former IDF soldier, a dual citizen of Israel, who's running in that election. And she made it quite clear that her number one priority is representing the, uh, the state of Israel, not her constituents. So surely the people in New York have another choice in that election, right? Nah. The Democrat that challenging her as well is another pro-Israel Democrat who he even said that he don't even support uh, conditions uh, for uh, Israel. Uh, Tom Shimo, uh, uh, Swazi, if I remember right, uh, Tom Swazi, he said he don't support uh, conditions for Israel, even as they commit a genocide right now, as they're bombing kids. That's the that's the two choices they have in New York. An IDF soldier or a loyal Israeli politicians who don't want conditions on Israel. That's the choice you have in this country. And that's because of organizations like APAC. So at, at this point, we need to be at an all-means-necessary approach of uh, opposing Israel. I think Zionism is the great lit uh, moral limit test of our time. And going after APAC and going after everyone who funds the genocidal apartheid state of Israel is not only fair game, I think it's a good strategy. And I might add to that, uh, Nick, that uh, George Santos was a vehement supporter of Israel and a massive supporter of uh, their bombing of civilians and all the rest of it. So again, no choice whatsoever. But uh, you bring up the main point here, and this is the elephant in the room uh, as far as Washington's concerned. There's just a whole lot of money available for special interests, this being the num one of the number one foreign policy special interests uh, in the in the Washington, D.C. ecosphere. Um, but it just goes to show you how easy it is to capture um, whole sections of government uh, with really not that much money. If you look at the actual total of the donations, we're talking about a few hundred million dollars a year. In, in campaign donations, but it's not just the campaign donations. Uh, you also have other NGOs who sort of go on the attack. Uh, and certainly members of the squad have been targeted. This is the progressive uh, Democrat coterie uh, led by Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. They've been kind of knocked into position on this issue a little bit as well. I know the attacks have been massive. They've threatening to primary anybody uh, that goes, you know, off off the reservation, as it were, on this issue of Israel. So, yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, you had APAC that spent a record seventeen million dollars last election, and that's where they had amazing results. You got 13 people out of Congress that wasn't pro-Israel enough. And I say that because I cannot emphasize enough that these people probably was pro-Israel, but these people, but APAC, they don't want any variation. They don't want no dissent. 
of you have members of the squad who voted for the Iron Dome, like Jamal Bowman, for example. You have members of the squad who wasn't they don't oppose Israel on on everything. You know what I mean? That you see Bernie Sanders who refused to call for a ceasefire for a very long time. John Thurman through uh passed in his progressive car card for the sake of Israel. So it doesn't take much, but APAC is a fascist organization where there will be no dissent. So they spent 17 million last election. This next election, they plan to spend $100 million on this next election, get, getting rid of anyone who have any sympathy for the Palestinian people, anyone who called for a ceasefire, anyone who's critical of Israel, they plan on getting out of there. And this is what happens when you have a, a dictatorship of capital. This is why all our politicians are slaves to the war industry. Because they all get weapon, they all get payment from the weapon defense contractors. The defense contractors advertise on CNN, MSNBC, so they can get pro-war coverage and positive coverage of the politicians. They help the politicians win the elections because of that positive, uh, positive coverage, and then the politicians get elected, and then they promote war, and then defense contractors make record profits, like they are set to do next year. Uh, our system, like most people, have no idea how corrupt it is. People have no idea. So, so this this is amazing. So you've got pretty much a consensus, a bought and paid for consensus of all Democrats, all Republicans. They're all on board with this uh, agenda. But then you have the people that are not on board with the agenda, and they're coming out in record numbers right now, Nick. And what we're seeing on the on the streets since October. Uh, early uh, early October in support of the Palestinian human rights are unprecedented levels. I mean, it's very hard to get an anti-war protest together in America. Trust me, I've tried and I've seen people try. It's not easy. And the millions of people are collectively out in the street across the country. It's been amazing. So I see this big gulf between the values of the people, the, the electorate, and then the values of Washington, D.C., on this issue there's a huge gap yeah. and i think this is just increasing what were the numbers like with this anti-apac protest and uh what was the the reactions from it uh did the media react uh and call it uh you know try to mischaracterize it what was the reactions i want people to understand that we are seeing the largest anti-war protest since the vietnam era and it's because of the palestinians it's quite incredible isn't it and I've never seen Israel lose the PR war, public perception like this. And that's why you see Zionism that are, Zionists that are now importing their fascist ideology from Israel, where now they are trying to uh, suppress the free speech of young people, essentially anyone. They're using and weaponizing their, uh, their capital to ruin the lives of adults. They are blacklisting. Uh, pro-Palestinian students to college campuses, you tr you're truly seeing an attack on freedom of expression, freedom to resist the government. And it's even more bone-chilling because the same people on the right who made their entire career off of pretending to be for free speech, they turn on a dime to see how coordinated, to see how people are willing to fall in line on both parties it's scary because you people are willing to abandon things that used to pretend they care about, like free speech, like many people are doing on the right. But they are doing this because of the massive amount of protests we're seeing. The, the illusion and the propaganda from the Zionist lobby from Israel has been shattered. Like their, their, their credibility has been completely ruined. 
And that's why corporate media has no choice but to try to ignore these protests as much as possible. And when they do show the pr- protests, they label them as anti-Semitic uh, events. You have the Anti-Defamation League, probably one of the most fraudulent organizations in American politics, who had they got this report that said there's a record amount of anti-Semitic incidents. And then when you dive into that number, you take, o- you take away half of the incidents when you exclude the pro-Palestinian protests that they include into in the anti-Semitic incidents. So when you see that, even though it may be annoying to witness and bear witness to, it's nothing but a positive thing that they are we- throwing the anti-Semite label at everyone, their attempts to suppress free speech. That's because we got them, they're back against the wall. It's because they're panicking and they're resorting to their old school tactic of just rank authoritarian fascism to suppress any dissent whenever the pop whenever they lose support of the populace yeah i think it's pretty obvious that uh where the where the moral high the moral high ground is on this issue and people who've been following this issue for a long time are you know when look what what when that when this kicked off on october 7th many many of us were surprised in how it kicked off but we weren't surprised that it kicked off because it was just one in a series of uh events that uh, just basically define this uh, struggle from 1948 till the present it's a liberation struggle everybody knows that it's been looked at like that for decades and all of a sudden all of a sudden this year it's been rebranded and repackaged uh in the media to be Hamas versus Israel all of a sudden and so in yeah. in that sense they've re- tried to redefine it but it's not working i'm uh, i'm happy to see the the turnouts on these events i think it's good it does show a high level of political awareness especially in the part of young people and the fact that they've been maligned and they're still coming out in in in, in droves so i think there's a lot to be positive about but we do need a ceasefire, and we need it yesterday, and that's that's yeah. the number one priority. I, I hope that we, you guys are getting that uh, message across, Nick, uh, in the work that you're doing. We need to keep uh, keep the pressure on our political leaders to do something on this and move quickly, because lives are at stake. But uh, we appreciate your work, and uh, let's keep this line of uh, communication open. Uh, we're also going to direct people to your Twitter feed. We've tagged you on Twitter. Give us a shout out of where people can follow your work, Nick, before we break. Yeah, make sure you guys check us out at Revolutionary Blackout. We have a stream scheduled maybe about an hour after this live stream ends. I'm also on Twitter, social MMA. Uh, make sure you guys follow all our work. I, I had uh, multiple Palestinian activists on. This is an issue I've been following for quite some time. One more thing I will add is we need to do anything we can to secure a ceasefire. And everyone who called for a ceasefire, you're doing your uh, you're doing uh, your duty for humanity. But I want to be clear, and this is the message that we advocate for on RBN: ceasefires are good, but it's ceasefire. It's ceasing the fire temporarily. The cause that we need people to support is ending the occupation, ending the criminal apartheid regime of Israel. I know it may be intimidating to ask those things. But we cannot allow electoral politics to limit our imagination. There need to be justice for Palestine. I appreciate your coverage. I appreciate you speaking about this issue because it's important. I need we need everyone covering this. So I appreciate everyone who does, including your coverage of it. It's been fantastic. And I'm more than happy to come back on again. So thank you for having me on.
Thank you. Nick Cruz, ladies and gentlemen, revolutionary blackout. Follow him on X, Twitter, and any other platform that he's broadcasting on. Check out his live streams as well. Let's take a break right now. We're going to go over to another part of New York, to the Southern District of New York Federal Court, to listen to Matthew Lee from Inner City Press to find out the latest of what's going on there. All this coming on the other side. Stay with us. We'll be right back. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility you're still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From aginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. I tell my son, I love you every single day. Now my dad has never said that to me. Not because he doesn't love me, but because culturally it wasn't comfortable for him. Now that he's a grandfather, he says I love you to my son every time he sees him. My advice to all the fathers out there, forget the cultural restrictions. They grow up way too fast for you to waste even a single precious moment. Patrick Henningsen talks on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome back to this live broadcast here on TNT. We're in the second hour, final segment of the second hour here on Friday, right before the Christmas weekend. Thank you guys for joining us. Appreciate your listenership and your viewership as well. Let's go to Matthew Russell Lee from Inner City Press, our legal correspondent, joining us literally from the stairways of the federal court of the Southern District of New York. Matthew, how are you? It's true. I'm, I'm doing well, Patrick. I'm glad to be here, and I, I'm... Uh... That is that is where I am, and that's the banister you see behind me. I don't actually have an arrow through my head, but uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. There's a lot going on here. I don't know where you want to begin, but we can well, go to Colorado. Uh, you know, yeah, we can go let's to start with Col- land. Ooh, go to crypto, Colorado. Okay, let's start with Colorado because that's the that's the hottest story right now um, in the country. So, what are you hearing on this? I know that uh, this is kind of adjacent to a lot of the cases that you're looking at as well. Totally. It's, I mean, although it's, it's, it's really bigger picture. The idea that is that the, the highest court in the state of Colorado in a very, in a, in a narrow vote decided that, that Donald Trump shouldn't be on the general election ballot because he's committed insurrection. And what people should understand is that the basis of this is that after the civil war, um, basically people didn't want those who had fought the North, those in the South, insurrectionists, true insurrectionists like Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee. They didn't want these guys running again because they would still be popular in the South. You have, they hadn't been able to do the voter registration that would later become rightfully required and needed in Mississippi. 
So they decided to say you could ban from political participation those who had engaged in insurrection. Now, many people say, and I'm among them, Trump hasn't actually been found guilty of insurrection yet. And number two, the purpose of this clause was not about, you know, uh, disputes about January 6th. It was about, like, you you supported slavery and you tried to overthrow the country. Now, maybe a few tweets, a few hot-headed tweets, when a few hot-headed guys were, I don't know. But so he's appealing this to, it, the, the, the decision in Colorado has stayed until January 4th. They knew it would be appealed. I think most people, even even some good liberals, are expecting it to be overturned because it's it's a pretty extreme. It definitely seems to take the U.S. down a kind of a third world path of of just banning your opponents. I think this is happening actually in Venezuela. Now. You may be a, we can talk about Maduro later, but there's a major opponent who seems to be doing well in the polls. That she's just said you can't be on the ballot. So it looks it, it's not a good look. But I will say that there's at least more more one or more. Um, elected officials here in New York that are like, yeah, we should do the same thing. So I, it's a it's a reflection of just how debased and degraded the politics here have become, where rather than we're really getting to the point where it's going to be like the, the, the pregame is going to determine the game. It's going to be like, here comes the football game between, oh, no, that team is not allowed to step on the field. You win by forfeit. Um, the other thing to remember is that probably Trump wouldn't win Colorado. Like it's not in and of itself, even if this weren't reversed, it probably the way the, the 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 strange way U.S. elections work is it's not a popular vote. It's not like 51, 49. People do all this polling, but the polling is essentially meaningless because it's about electoral votes. So the whole election, if it is, in fact, which it may not be, if it is Trump versus Biden, and it may be neither of the two. Nobody knows at this at this distance. But if it is Trump versus Biden, it's going to be determined by, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, same the same states as always. And Colorado has drifted, you know, or elevated itself, as your case, the case may be, into being a blue state. And so it really doesn't matter. But it does matter in terms of the legitimacy, I think, of the as somebody said, and I, they're right, the US State Department routinely puts out press releases criticizing countries for doing just what the Colorado State Department Supreme Court did, which is to like try to determine elections in a kind of backdoor three-two manner. So be watching that. And I think some I've seen it predicted that even 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 the not the haters, even like Sotomayor, who's actually a great judge from the Bronx, by the way, extremely liberal. But she is who she is. She's seen what she's seen, that this might be a nine nothing slapdown because it's a bad precedent to have states in a federal election be knocking people off based on their own like feelings about January 6th. You know, whether it would be different if he'd been convicted in one of these other cases, I don't know. If the if the word insurrection was in there, there's also a, 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 this is just getting a little bit legal for you. But there's a the Supreme Court is separately taking up insurrection on some of the January 6th defendants. So there's it's not even clear, you know, using a word if that's going to stand up. So I, the column, those three judges should really look at themselves in the mirror and say, like, maybe you should be running for like city council of Denver because it doesn't look to me like a judicial determination. It's a grand stain. So there's that. So yeah. we've, we've dispensed with that, hopefully, you know? Yeah. So now, it's, now there, there's, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go Matthew. Ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to go into Rudy, but Rudy, Rudy, Rudy will always have. So I think, I think that that will be, we'll, maybe we'll talk about it soon when it gets knocked down. Maybe it won't be. I think what you will see is other states trying to do this. So it's a whole new spin on, on not just lawfare. I guess this is political lawfare of trying to knock people 
off ballots. I mean, because I would say by the same token, why doesn't some why doesn't Wyoming say Joe Biden is corrupt? He can't be on the ballot here. You see what I mean? I mean, Colorado does have at least the, the constitutional fig leaf to point at, but it, this constitutional amendment had nothing to do with this situation, you know. But then again, some people say birthright citizenship does. The Constitution is set in stone and then people use it or misuse it as they will. But I think this opens the door to like real, real, really nasty pregame disqualifications in all types of political races. And it, it's not a good uh, it's not a good look for the U.S. As I say this as a confirmed and patriotic American. Ready to denounce Maduro at any point, but I'll also I'm going to denounce America's mayor. I'm sorry. I'm a New Yorker. I've lived with Rudy Giuliani back from his days of outing the you know criminal justice uh, records of suspects that roughed it up with the police, um, taking down the mob. That was an uh, honorable thing. Um, 9/11, Rudy, but Rudy has hit bottom. People thought he'd hit bottom when he held a press conference in the parking lot of of. Um, Four Seasons Lawn Care in Philadelphia after when he went up to try to overturn the election, to, to challenge the elections for Trump in Philadelphia. They thought he'd hit bottom when his his hair dye ran down his face during the middle of a debate. But now he's lost a hundred and forty eight million dollar defamation suit to two Georgia poll workers. And he's declared bankruptcy. That's all in the last week. That's the, that the news from SDNY. And it is an SDNY bankruptcy is that Rudy has declared bankruptcy in order to not pay these debts. And some people are saying this is the legal point. He's going to have to pay because it's a tort. He intentionally defamed these poll workers, apparently by saying they were stuffing the ballot, which people say every day here. And this is like this is like saying good morning. In today's U.S. Is this a civil? But is this a civil suit, right? It's a civil suit, but he lost. It was in the, it was in federal court in D.C. and he lost a one hundred and forty eight million dollar judgment. True. Yeah, I, I, I see. But I'm, oh, I'm going to in. In Rudy's defense, uh, he was quote. I remember the press conferences as well. He was quoting uh, sworn affidavits that his uh, team had taken uh, of people who said they witnessed that. So, is shouldn't it be on the person who who gave the sworn? Because a sworn affidavit comes with that. That comes with responsibilities as well, doesn't it? When you, you I know, don't know what to tell you, Patrick. That ship has sailed. <laughs> He's been found guilty. That ship has sailed. Yeah. It's no. The issue now is like. Are they going to get pennies or are they going to get less than pennies? Because Rudy has many other debts. I mean, I agree with you. I, I personally don't feel I think I, and I think the journalists that are kind of spiking the football that Rudy lost a defamation case are, are, are making a big mistake. Because if you can be sued for 100, it's, a, it's also a, 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 an absurd amount of money. I mean, yeah. OK, you don't like to be for called a ballot suffer, but like exactly like who? They said that they got death threats. I think it's just, oh, it's a, it, yeah, it, it's the same old game. But I, I have to, I'm not a Rudy fan. I have to say, I've seen him rumbling around drunk on his mini. Uh, I'm going to insult him. Maybe he'll sue me for defamation. He seems to be drinking. And I might have an uh, to uh, prove it. Have you ever, I don't know if you've uh, seen his, his, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got the glass out. Okay. Maybe it's not liquor in it, but I feel. Wouldn't you feel though? Like wouldn't you if, if you're getting hammered yeah, totally, by. Totally, totally. By everybody, I mean, oh, I mean, gosh, cut that guy. Some I'm going to give you some real non-comical news here that you may not have <laughs> heard, Patrick. Real non-comical Rudy Rudy news, and it's getting harder and harder to find. The 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 the, the sliver of legitimate Rudy news is small, but it exists. And and actually, I'm going to I'm going to talk about the New York Times. I don't want to put them down. They're big. They're bigger than me. Inner City Press swinging upwards. They do a lot of great work. But on this beat, so they pushed. Here's to their credit. 
they pushed to unseal search warrants against Rudy in the Lev Parnas case. You may remember Lev Parnas, um, yep. businessman, Florida, mar- marijuana legalization proponent, sports car driver, man about town, enemy of the U.S. ambassador to to, to Ukraine. He's doing he, he got convicted. He's doing time, but he's very empty. He's now flipped. He's kind of a Michael Cohen character. And he's he he agreed that with The New York Times, The New York Times and Left Parnets, he agreed that there should be an unsealing of all of the the arrest, the the search warrants in his case. And this week it was unsealed. And of course, there was Left Parnets doing his stuff, but there was also Rudy. And it, it emerges from these documents that the 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 Justice Department was investigating Rudy for criminal prosecution for either a FARA violation, not re- not registering as a as a as a lobbyist, or for outright corruption. Basically, and it appears true, he was trying to get some contracts in Ukraine for his fly by night, now bankrupt uh, um, investigation and 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 legal business um, because he needed money, according to the New York Times, and I think it's true. He was he had debts even then. Judy, his third wife, had sued him for a huge divorce settlement. He had a lot of you know expenses. It's not cheap, you know, to rent the Four Seasons lawn lawn parking lot. And so he was, but he came close. But his defense was that he was doing these things in Ukraine for Trump as Trump's personal lawyer and not as a extortionist. And 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 ultimately the Justice Department wrote to Judge Etkin, who's the federal judge here in SDNY in the case, and said, thanks for signing the search warrants. We've read all of Rudy's phones. We're not going to be going forward with a criminal prosecution. So in fact, this might have this Rudy's been all over the news. He had his search warrants unsealed, and then he declared bankruptcy yesterday. And and everyone's digging through the filings. What is the owed to who? I don't know if the poll workers are going to get what they're looking for. Either, well, you know, but on, they got something. The they Ukrainian, got a bang. On the Ukrainian Please. front, though, so he's if he's touting, he's okay. Let's say theoretically he's over there investigating uh, the the Biden family corruption syndicate, Victor Shokin, all these people he's deposing, getting their statements. Let, now, sure. let's just say he might be touting for business. That in itself, touting for business is not a fair violation. Uh, if you sign a contract and you are doing business at that point, you then would what register uh, under FARA. But the whole FARA thing, th- th- this is just like it wasn't even used for like 80, 60, or 70 years, wasn't it? And all of a sudden, it's become a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. I, I, I guess what, I, what, they, what they were alleging, and I think it would be problematic, what they're trying to say is that he wasn't. And this is the the only thing that sort of new comes out in the documents is that it wasn't just that Rudy was trying to ingratiate himself to Trump, but to Trump by going to Ukraine and, and taking out the anti-prosecution prosecutor and the U.S. ambassador. They're saying that, in fact, he was doing those things to try to prove his worth to a particular Ukrainian businessman who wanted the prosecutor or taken out. And that if Rudy had accomplished this using Trump's own desires, you see what I mean? That he really wasn't there trolling for anti-Biden material. He was there trying to drum up business to pay his ex-wife. That's the that's the kind of like that's the oh, accusation. Of clay. Well, yeah. I don't they know. They didn't prosecute because, him for it. So, 
You know, uh, you know, I, I don't. Th I think it's a hollow accusation because Rudy came back with the goods. He actually got yeah. the witness statements from Victor Shokin, and they are damning. So actually, Rudy mission accomplished by Rudy. So I'll give credit where credit's due. I think that's exculpatory evidence. This unsealing of the uh, search warrants it actually helps Rudy. Do you agree? I think it did exactly. I, and actually, here's a here's a here's a small fluke. He didn't oppose the unsealing either. In, in large part because they decided not to prosecute him. So I think that's true. And I think everyone knew he had financial problems. And he was, I, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it was, there was a kind of much ado about nothing. I will say that in the press corps here, people were like, oh my God, the party. Mm -hmm. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I tweeted some photographs from it. There were, to me, there was nothing new in it. But if, since the Times had pursued the unsealing, I want to say this the Times can do that. Let me tell you what Inner City Press can do. We now got outside counsel and our, our appeal. Of, to unseal the sentencing letters of Sebastian Greenwood of one coin is going forward with its brief due in March. So we're pursuing freedom of the press as big as the big guys, if not more. Speaking of the big guy, and this is a this is this is a oh double, yeah 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 please please double. Speaking of the big guy, I'm staring now. That's why I was looking off screen here. I've got a lot of I'm working a lot of electronics here in the, in the stair <laughs> in, the, in the stairwell, Patrick. I, I really am giving it up for you. We'll, we'll return to that offline, but. This is this is a New York Times story. OK, it's today's newspaper. You can find it online. Headline Hunter Biden text cited in impeachment inquiry is not what GOP suggests. That's the headline of the newspaper. This is not a this is not an email from the Democratic National Committee. This is a, a newspaper article trying to take this inexplicable text message of Hunter Biden saying, I won't make you pay me half my salary as my as as the big guy did and trying to say, no, it's actually about a ski trip and a and a broken tibia. And he was having ketamine replacement uh, therapy and Nantucket. It's it's the most it's like the most craven defense of Hunter Biden. I mean, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by it. And I know it's a major publication on many things. I will believe them to the end of the world. But this headline. It's not just the headline. The tenor of the article is to say, okay, it looks bad, but it's really not that bad. And this is an MSNBC mission, right? To say, like, not as bad as it looks. Or a DNC. Yeah. But now it's NYT, and I've got to call it out. I, I encourage, you can, you know, I don't, it's behind a paywall, I'm sure. But Hunter Biden text cited in impeachment inquiry is not what the GOP suggests. So it's really the GOP's fault that Hunter was was speaking openly perhaps on drugs about kicking up half of his money to the big guy it's shocking i don't i don't even know if he was kicking it up i just know that a major respected newspaper shouldn't be in the business of trying to like put the most positive spin on a on a drugged up text message about the president it's terrible yeah, you're right. They're, they're basically becoming MSNBC of the Huffington Post uh at that point. So this is not a good look for the NYT. I don't know what's happening. I guess it could be, a, it, you know, it really could. There, there seem to be doing well financially. I know that Trump claims otherwise, but he Who's claims the a author? lot of Who's the author? Who's the author? Who's the author of this is, it's, it's a single byline, which is very rare for the New York Times these days. They like to have like four or five guys. <laughs> yeah, this is a guy called Adam Entus, E-N-T-O-U-S. And it literally is, it's today. I, 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 I made it a point. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like, I don't know if like, like, it's like, uh, who, you know, who would be the writer of that? But it, it's, I mean, who we should describe it to. Maybe it has some extra credits at the bottom, but I, I encourage you to check it out. It, the Hunter thing, I think, like, actually, I didn't realize this. 
that looks very bad. I mean, it, it's certainly enough to like move to a next stage to say like, why did you say you were kicking half of yourself? Because that, right, that's the idea. The idea is that, and again, it, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Why did China Energy Fund Committee give Hunter Biden a million dollar diamond? Why would hmm. you, of all the crackheads in the world, of all the porn watching, gun toting crackheads in the world, why Hunter Biden? There's many good lawyers in New York. I could I could make a referral. There's guys that are getting guys out of jail all the time. It's happening. I know the it's answer. Incredible. Maybe Hunter Biden did him a private painting, like a portrait or something, because well, he's a very talented true. artist. That's going to be worth real money one day. Talented artist, Matthew. So we don't know the it's whole story, do we? It's going to be worth real money someday. Now, believe it or not, I'm going to slip in some Epstein here at the end. Excellent. Just Excellent. The way, just the way you like it. Just the way you like it. The, <laughs> sorry. The people, sorry. the people want to know, Matthew. The people. <laughs> they do the want to know. Fox popular. I'm going to pop the balloon of the people. People, people here, in here. There have been there have been stories all over the world that at long last the Epstein client files are going to be disclosed in early January based on a decision by Judge Loretta A. Presca in the famous case of Jufre versus Maxwell. Let me tell you, nearly all of this stuff is already out there. Did you know that the black book or the, 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 the plain law? I mean, again, I'm not saying I cover this case and I, I'm I'm a not, not conspiracy. mind. I'm a skeptic myself, but it, I'm going to be reading it very closely. I just don't know. I've seen people, you know, saying this is like, whoa, what's going to finally happen. And then just to show again, I don't like to put down the people that are passionate about this because you should be passionate. When there is a secret power behind the government blackmailing people with child porn, it's incredible with their own exploits. But now this is the news part of it. Since that sort of mis misperceived wave, one lawyer has written in for Jane Doe, sometimes referred to as John Doe. It could be it's a Doe and it's a woman, 107, who doesn't want her, her, her file disclosed because she lives in a conservative country. And it could get into trouble. Some of, I, I, I put it up and it went all over the place. People said maybe the conservative country is the United States. The whole thing hasn't been delayed, but it should, it's now totally fed into the idea of like, you see, they were never going to release it anyway. The secret maintains. But what I want to say is I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable mocking those who, who have this view that Epstein is the key to the universe, mostly because big lawyers like David Boys of Boys Schiller just cashed out with Jamie Dimon to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars based on the energy of these conspiracy-minded or rightfully skeptic patriots. So the whole thing is weird. As a journalist, I feel like I don't want to be in the business of like, don't believe, don't believe the hype. Like, there's something here. I'm not sure this is the one, though. I think that the, the mystery of Jeffrey Epstein will continue. And, but we're going to be there every step of the way, right down, right down to the last unsealed document. And I still think people don't know what really what it was, you know, what happened. What, what was he doing? What was his game? Who was he working for? And what does it have to do with Gaza? Patrick, breaking news. The U.N. has finally taken action minutes ago. Did you know? Have you heard of it? You heard no, about please. it. Please. Is, is this fresh? Or is this breaking? This is totally fresh. This happened at between 1230. And that's why I'm on late. I, I covered a crypto sentencing and then I, I covered the Security Council right here. In, this, in fact, I did a voiceover right us. here in the staircase. Give it to us. We've got two minutes you. left. I'm going to give it to you. There was a resolution. The U.S. has vetoed a number of them. The U.S. very cannily got the UAE to sleaze over to its side, got the resolution watered down so it doesn't call for a ceasefire. It says the conditions that will enable 
enable humanitarian aid, which some people read to mean like, yes, continued bombing so that you can bring in the aid once Hamas is all wiped out. And then Russia just now tried to call a vote on an amendment that would have re- reinstated their language, but the U.S. vetoed that. And so the unamended resolution went to the vote and 13 in favor and the U.S. and Russia both abstaining. And yet the headline will be U.N. finally takes action when it was the most disgusting, duplicitous, useless. And as we speak now, I'm skipping mocking Antonio Guterres. He's going to claim credit for this fraudulent. (laughs) When both countries abstain, they're going to say this is a this is a victory for diplomacy. It's a victory for duplicity, hypocrisy, incompetence, and 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 uh, yeah, just just it's it, the 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 worst form of kabuki theater. Wow, I, I hope you write. You, have, you should you should write an article. I just about write, that. I've, I've, I've written on, that story. I've written on, on story. your you Substack. Find my voice. Over. Oh my gosh! Okay. I'm gonna yeah, we're gonna republish that on twenty first twenty first century All wire. Right. That has to. That story has to be told. That is just. It was incredible. That's just shameful. Shameful. It is. Oh my it, god. All, all, all around. Actually. I wanted to I mean, end on a high because the Christmas breaks coming up, Matthew. So oh, there was um, a guy left out, left out of jail. I want to tell you, there's a guy called Paulino. He's a drug drug trafficker without a gun from Washington Heights. He consented to detention. He thought he was going to be in, and yesterday in the mad court, in a Christmas miracle, he came into court. He said, you can release me to Washington Heights. I'll stay in my house. And he's out. A Christmas miracle. <laughs> Look at that. Matthew on a feel-good rush. I love yeah, that. It's, it's incredible. I really did love that. I'm not being facetious about that. It was, it was, I made me feel good press. about this. Intercity Matthew Russell Lee, thank you for joining us. I hope you have a good holiday break, Matthew. We will reconvene next week. We will reconvene next week. And I will also endeavor to push your article, which you just described on this shameful resolution. Anyway, take care, Matthew. Big thank you to everybody. Nick Cruz, Basil Valentine uh, in the first hour as well. Matt Nilsson, everybody who joined us today and this week and this year. Well, we'll be back next week, but we'll do the new year wrap up next week, folks. But anyway, take care. Big thanks to everybody in our TNT chat community.